the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The big guy told another whopper. Actually, he tweeted another whopper, and it's probably safe to say that most people didn't notice it. Joe likes to talk about uh, his days growing up in Scranton, PA, you know, in a working class family. I think he's actually claimed to have been a boyhood friend of Senator Bob Casey uh, in Scranton, even though Bob uh, is 18 years younger than Joe is. But anyway, we've also heard about Corn Pop. You know all about him. And uh, Joe's days of uh, driving a big rig, big truck driver. And there's no need to mention the one about not knowing anything about his son's business dealings in China or Ukraine. We won't talk about that. But here's the tweet from today, and this is a quote. I know that families are still struggling with higher prices. I grew up in a family where if the price of gas went up, we felt it. Let's be absolutely clear about why prices are high right now. COVID and Vladimir Putin. Well, not even Dr. Jill believes that last part. But what about his family feeling it when gas prices went up? Now, he may have fooled some young people with that one. If his family felt it when gas prices went up, it was the only family in the country that felt it. Because gas was 27 cents a gallon in 1949. Joe would have turned seven years old that year. Ten years later, 1959, when Joe was 17, it was 31 cents a gallon. So it went up four cents in ten years. And then in 1964, when he became an adult, it went down to 30 cents a gallon. And Joe says his family felt it when gas prices went up. And if you figure inflation into the equation, gas prices actually went down as Joe was growing up. But Joe wants you to know that he feels your pain at the pump. That's, of course, assuming that it was actually Joe who tweeted the tweet. And I don't know about the chances of that. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to take a break from the usual stuff, talk to a critic about a movie that's about a Catholic priest, and it's rated R, with Mark Wahlberg playing the priest. And we'll talk about why Netflix is losing tons of subscribers and why Jerry West, that Jerry West, the NBA Hall of Famer, is suing HBO. In our second half hour, some examples of why the Second Amendment is so important to women. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Woohoo! Snarly move, Dad. 
Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. President Trump endorsed Dr. Mehmet Oz for Senate. Why? Because President Trump knows who the real conservative is who's going to shake up Washington. It's not David McCormick, the liberal pro-Biden, pro-China Wall Street insider. David McCormick praised Biden, is funded by Democrats, and admits he was never a Trump supporter, all while telling his friends back on Wall Street that his so-called conservative principles are just an act. President Trump knows the real conservative is Dr. Oz. Trump calls Dr. Mehmet Oz smart, tough, and someone who will never let us down. I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Endorsed by Trump, the conservative fighter Pennsylvania needs Dr. Oz for U.S. Senate. I'm Dr. Mehmet Oz, a candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Dr. Oz for Senate. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, have you seen Father Stew? Uh, not the priest, the movie. You've probably seen the ads for it. Ma- Mark Wahlberg plays uh, Father Stew and Mel Gibson plays uh, his dad. It's based on a true story, and it seems to go against the formula for what looks like a major production. It's faith-based, and it has two big stars. Christian Toto reviews movies and covers the news in Hollywood at his website. You can find him at hollywoodintoto.com. And Christian joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Christian. Oh, my pleasure. So you asked the question at your website, is Father Stu the best faith-based film yet? So what's your answer? Uh, It's in the top five, I would think. It's very good. It's got a terrific cast. I found it very compelling. You know, listen, there have been faith-based movies with very small budgets, with actors who aren't at the top of their profession, to be gentle about it. And uh, sometimes they're charming and they get the point across, and sometimes they're kind of tough to watch, even for a believer. But this one has none of that. It's really polished. It's it's smooth in a good way. Excellent performances. I've known and one of the better uh, performances that Mark Wahlberg has given in recent years, for sure. And it's got a lot of heart. And I, I think it does everything it wants to do, and it does it with uh, style, and, and with sophistication, again, which is sometimes missing in this genre. Uh, are f- uh, faith-based movies uh, becoming more common? You know, it's hard to say. There was a while for sure they were kind of cropping up more and more. A lot of them were lower-budgeted films, but they still were pretty darn successful. And so I think you see them from time to time. They're not all successful, though. Even you know some of the smaller ones kind of come and go. Some of the bigger ones come and go. And uh, I think we're seeing that right now. Father Stu is... It's not bombing at the box office, but it's not a smash for sure. And you think that for as few movies of its kind that Hollywood produces with this kind of star power, you think it would make more of a splash at the box office. But that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a movie about a priest, and it has an R rating. How does that work? Well, you know, I think you really needed to have that R rating because this is a story of someone who was kind of lost in life, a little harder, you know, rough around the edges, didn't always uh, treat people well. But this is part of his evolution as a human being, is that he pushed past that and became a priest. Uh, there's, a, there's a third act twist, which I don't want to give away if people don't know the whole story here. I want them to go in there into the, into the movie fresh. But, you know, to take away that element, I think, would be taking away part of this story. So I understand people and I respect people who don't want to see that kind of profanity in a movie theater. It certainly is not wall-to-wall F-bombs. But, you know, there are some choice words here and there. I think 
if you really do want to capture Stuart Long, the person at the heart of the story, I think you have to include that in there. Uh, he's a boxer who decides, uh, uh, and we won't give the whole thing away, but he's a boxer who becomes a priest, or a, a kind of a, a, I don't know if washed up is fair, but he's he's a boxer whose uh, career comes to an end, and he ends up becoming a priest. So I, I'm guessing that, and I haven't seen the movie, but I'm guessing that the profanity comes along uh, during his time as a boxer and his life before he made the switch. Yeah, but you know, even when he does become a priest, there's a grittiness to his approach to faith that I think a lot of people connected with uh, during his life. So I, again, it, it set him apart. He wasn't a typical person. There wasn't a typical priest. And I think it's that redemption arc that is so compelling. And obviously that's what uh, one of many reasons why Mark Wahlberg made the film. He allegedly poured a lot of money and his own cash into it, which is one of the cardinal rules in Hollywood. You don't, you don't sink your own, your own wallet into the production, but evidently he did, and that, that helped make it a reality. So maybe that's what the, the little bump it needed to get the green light, because this, this is not a blockbuster in the Marvel mold. It's not a you know, comic book movie. It's not the usual genres that do well. This is something a little bit different. It's a story, though, that uh, you would think just if you... Uh, gave the uh, the producers the log line, which is the you know one or two sentence description of what the movie's about, which is what you use to sell a movie. Uh, it seems like that you know just that description of a describing this movie in two sentences, uh, a washed up boxer uh, changes his life and becomes a priest. That that seems like a pretty attractive theme to uh, somebody who wants to uh, you know produce a movie. I agree, and I think maybe this would have been a better fit for the smaller screen, like a streaming service. Yeah, Possibly it would have been more successful there. Listen, the way that theaters are shaking out now post-COVID is that a lot of the Rock'em Sock'em movies do well and, and the sort of the splashier films with big stars and big budgets. You know, this is not that. So maybe it wasn't the perfect fit for theaters. But now, one of the reasons why I wrote about it extensively at my site was that, you know, at the end of the day, people who are of faith, people who maybe are conservative or both, you know, they often say, well, Hollywood doesn't really reach out to me, doesn't speak to me, doesn't make movies that kind of confirm my values or speak to my values. And here's one. And uh, you think that would be a bigger hit. But I, I think, uh, you know, the, the audience is complex and they have different rules and regulations and what they want to do. And maybe for some to think, hey, I know how quickly movies go from theaters to the home video experience. And they'll just wait a few weeks and see it there. Yeah, um, I haven't seen that uh, maybe out there. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen uh, if the Catholic Church has uh, shown any support for this movie or if it's re- remained quiet about it or is against it or anything. Is there, do you know anything about the, how the, the, uh, the, any Catholic response to this? You know, I haven't seen anything really pro or con. I, it's possible it is out there. I just missed it. I, I do tend to kind of scour the headlines for stories based on things like this. And, you know, some of the smaller films you've seen in recent years have been really effective and aggressive in outreach to the to church groups, to the community in question, and saying, hey, come come support our project. And so whether that happened, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's been a direct uh, consequence of this. And I do know that Mel Gibson and Mark Wahlberg have been very out front and promoting it, doing lots of interviews. So I think they haven't been shy, and they've been you know, using their clout as best they can. So, you know, but movie marketing is really, really thorny at times, and you could do almost everything right and, and, and fail, and you could do almost nothing right and succeed. So uh, I think William Goldman said something, and I'm going to butcher in the paraphrasing, is that no one knows anything in Hollywood. It's, that's still the case. Yeah. Uh, Christian Toto is, uh, is our guest. Uh, he reviews movies uh, at his website, hollywoodintoto.com. Uh, so Mark Wahlberg, you say, was attracted to this role because he's a, he's a strong Catholic, but it's also uh, a good vehicle for him, right? It's both. Yeah, absolutely. This really spoke to him, and also I think he just was really attracted to the material. And, you know, he's got a hard scrabble life. He did some pretty bad things when he was a teenager. He beat up some people, used some uh, racial slurs, which I'm sure he's not proud of at all. But you know what? He grew up to be seemingly a decent person. He's married. He has kids. Uh, you don't hear any sort of horrible stories out of him in Hollywood. He seems like he's a good guy to work with. And that is redemption. That is what we, I would think we'd want in society. We don't certainly want to condone anything, anyone being aggressive and treating people badly and hurting people. But 
you know, we don't also don't want to write someone off who's 17, 18, who has that path in his life. He, we want to make sure that they, they improve, that they grow as people. And that, that's clearly what he's done over the years. Well, you and I may not want to write him off, but there are lots of people out there who will. You know how that, you know how that works. You, you know, it's been very interesting. In the reviews of the movie have been more negative than positive. And I've, I've singled out a few. I may write about this later in the week on my site, is that um, kind of nasty reviews and, and really heavily bringing up you know, Gibson's past, Mark Wahlberg's past. We all know about what Gibson was up to, and some will yeah. never forgive him. And I understand that. He, he said some horrible things and treated his girlfriend just terribly. But at the same time, when you're reviewing a film, that's not on screen. It's Mel Gibson. You know, did he, was he compelling? Was right. he charismatic? Was he powerful? Did you believe in his character? That's what counts. You know, there are people, actors, who I don't agree with their life choices or I don't agree with their politics. But when I review a movie... I don't bring that into it. At least I, I, gosh, I hope I'm not doing that because that's that's not the way you do it. Yeah, I was, that was going to be my next question about how uh, how the mostly liberal um, critics out there, and that's what sets you apart, actually, uh, at HollywoodandToto.com, is that you come from this, you come at this with a Christian, uh, not a with a conservative perspective. Um, it they are this would be something that they would be quick to jump on, I would guess, and nitpick it to death, a movie like this, most critics. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree. I, listen, film reviews are subjective. I don't want to you know, knock my fellow critics who, oh, they didn't agree with my my worldview, so yeah. well, they didn't agree with my review, so they're wrong and I'm right. That's that's silly. But you also can tell when you read reviews what's going on. You can tell when they're sort of nitpicking. You can tell, and just generally speaking, film critics – aren't as amenable to faith-based movies in general than they are maybe like a pro-abortion movie. And I think you can look at different cases of both kinds of films and the reactions they've drawn over the years. So nothing is hard and fast. There are exceptions. And I think that there are some critics who, who will kind of set aside their worldview and say, hey, is this good? Is this bad? But uh, often critics don't even bother to do that. So I, I do have a bit yeah. of a... And just to, about that situation. Yeah, just to get off this movie for one second, because uh, yeah. you mentioned it, uh, Mel Gibson plays uh, Father uh, Father Stews, um, and that's played by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Gibson plays his father. Um, does doesn't Gibson? He's now working on a, a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. You know, I believe he is. I think we've gotten very little concrete information about that. I do think it's a go, but. Detail-wise, I, I got nothing for you. I really don't know a lot. I think Mel himself may be kind of tight-lipped about it. I think he may be shooting another Lethal Weapon film right now, which I believe he's directing, so that may consume his time for the next few months. But, you know, one of the biggest films, one of the biggest shocks of all in modern history was how well that movie did at the box office. It had everything, every reason to be a flopper to underperform, and it made lots of money and touched a lot of people's lives. And a lot of controversy about that film too, but uh, there's no, there's no. Uh, I don't think you can argue that he's a really talented filmmaker. He's a really big movie star with charisma and talent and chops. But he also seems like a very tortured fellow off off screen, and I, it's impossible to deny that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Christian that uh, the this movie um, Father Stew didn't do all that great over its opening weekend, uh, and that maybe it should have been would have been better if it was streaming. Is that a tough decision now for producers? Uh, could that Absolutely, be a make or yeah. break for a movie, whether you know whether it opens in a theater or on Paramount or Apple or someplace else, Netflix? Yeah, it, that is that is the new math that they have to figure out, and there's no easy answer. Uh, you can also second guess it. Maybe if it was on a streaming service, it would do worse than it did in theaters. You don't know. Uh, they don't know, and it's a new world that we're looking at. Uh, just a quick example. Batman is one of the big, or should I say The Batman, is one of the biggest hits in recent months. Uh-huh. It went to HBO Max, I think, yesterday, the day before. And it's still in theaters, still doing pretty well financially and theatrically. And, you know, usually you have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks before these movies come out on home video. And yeah. then if you're an HBO Max subscriber, you can watch it right now. So, you know, everything's changing. And I think that makes it even more complicated for the people behind the scenes at Hollywood. And I gripe about Hollywood, but I have a lot of sympathy for them because there's so much money at stake and, and jobs are at stake, and it's really hard to suss out what's right, what's wrong as, their, as far as their approach. Yeah, um, I'm a movie guy. I have been for a long time, and I uh, I sort of got away from it because of COVID, and the theaters weren't open or they wanted you to wear a mask, and I wasn't going to do that. Uh, and now I've started going back to the theaters again. I went to see um, The Godfather, a uh, local theater uh, does you know flashback Sundays, Wednesdays, 
and I went to see the uh, the Godfather on the big screen, which I hadn't seen since I saw it when it came out when I was 20 cool. years old. Um, and when I see a movie like that, I, I I just don't understand how anybody could possibly think that that movie is the same on your even 60 inch television as it is on a big screen in a theater. I, I don't know how I don't know about you, but I, I don't know how that, that that that's even competition for a movie screen. It's a different experience, no doubt. I just think that the generation now is living it. Is that is 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 somehow saying this is perfectly acceptable to watch it here, not there. I think in almost every case, a, a, a theatric experience is better, whether it's the big screen, the big sound, the popcorn, just people around you experiencing at the same time. What I'd like to see, and I think Fathom Events does this from time to time, I, I'd like to see it more, is that bring back these great movies. Because people like you and I, who haven't seen it in decades on a big screen, would love to. But I think it also will remind the younger generation that these are great movies, and, and to experience them again like this is really the perfect way to see them. And I, I also think it may be... Maybe it's a shot in the arm to movies in general that you remind people that, hey, I know you see a lot of clunkers these days, but there are still movies that transcend time that are magical. And to see them again is like a it's it's just it's just a, a way to kind of sell the theatrical experience all over again. Yeah. The, but seeing The Godfather and how, you know, I think it's the best movie ever made. And, and I I I was more convinced of that after seeing it in the theater again. But uh, speaking of streaming, uh, what's going on with Netflix? They're losing subscriptions. Yeah, you know, it was. It seemed like it was inevitable, but they've been on top for so long, and they still are on top technically. But uh, subscribers are down. At least they didn't gain what they wanted to gain. The stock prices really took a hit, and you know, it, it makes perfect sense. You've got, you know, Netflix is not the only game in town. You've got Peacock, you've got Hulu, you've got Amazon Prime. HBO Max is really delivering a lot of content and a lot of well-received content. So with all that competition. And, you know, I don't I can't remember the last great, great Netflix show that came out or movie. It's only natural that this is going to happen. So they're going to have to adjust things. And I, they may have to buy less original material. And that sort of hurt, certainly hurts their cause. But, uh, yeah, that's how that's how quickly the, the landscape can shift under our feet. And uh, while Netflix does produce, produce some good stuff, there's also Hulu. There's also Amazon Prime yeah. and they're 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 bringing it, too. So. It's. I think the good thing for consumers is survival of the fittest. They may have to lower their prices. They have to make it, maybe get more competitive, and maybe just double down and make the best programming possible to compete and get their edge back. Competition's a wonderful thing. Speaking of uh, HBO, I have about a minute and a half left here. Uh, what do you make of Jerry West suing HBO for the way he's portrayed in their series about the L.A. Lakers? He's really mad about it. He's really mad. It sounds like he deserves to be really mad about it. It is fascinating, and it's something I don't think as a culture we've really come to grips with where – You've got these fact-based movies with people who are still alive, and there's lots of dramatic license. And just imagine if you or I were captured on screen and, and really kind of twisted in a way that might make great entertainment, but is not who we are. I, I, I understand he'd be hopping mad. He is. He's in a legal state of mind. And this could have some significant consequences to how stories are told. We may see more stories that are loosely based, maybe names are changed just yeah. to get the dramatic license going. But, uh, yeah, this is a big deal, honestly. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What kind of precedent might uh, it set if he wins his suit uh, you know, with writers' ability to use dramatic license when telling a true story? Yeah, you know, I, do, I watched the Comey rule from a year or two ago about the uh, the Russian collusion situation. It was it was boulder dash. It was just nonsense. It wasn't really fact-based, but they put it out there, and, it, you know, it was in Showtime uh, – you know, produced it. And what if Trump or someone else in that inner circle said, hey, that's not true. I've got the proof it's not true. Let's go to court. I don't think that's been, you know, that could really happen very soon. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, hey, Christian, I'm out of time. Always great to have you on. I'm sure he'll have you on again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. That's Christian Toto. You can find his stuff at hollywoodintoto.com. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Russia facing more international pressure over its invasion of Ukraine. As Bernie Bennett reports, there's growing pressure for the U.S. to take diplomatic action against Russia. Republican Senators Jerry Moran of Kansas and Steve Daines of Montana penned a letter to Blinken urging him to fully open the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, arguing that such a move would symbolically affirm America's commitment to Ukraine's territory. 
Blinken announced in mid-February, before Russia's invasion began, that the U.S. was temporarily relocating its embassy in Kiev to live. This Bernie Bennett reporting. Riders still adjusting to the new rules after a judge this week rescinded a CDC mask mandate for planes and trains. This lady was about to catch a flight at Palm Beach International Airport. I mean, it's up to individual, but for me, I just don't like wearing a mask, and I'm happy about it. On Wall Street at this hour, the Dow is up 200 points. This is SRN News. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Back in the day, Pittsburgh cranked out a lot of steel. We helped build this country. Our steel went into the Empire State Building. The Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah, you'll find it there, too. These days, we're about more than steel, but we're still producing something strong. You can see it in the eyes of our kids. That same resolve, that same blue-collar ethic forged in the fires of hard work and history. And one day soon, they'll help build this country all over again. We're Pittsburgh strong. We're AM1250. The answer. It's easy and profitable to be kind to others when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Each day for 30 days, we'll post a new act of kindness that you can do for others. On June 1st, you could win $5,000, and a deserving organization will also receive $5,000 in your name. You can make a difference in others' lives when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Enter the Kindness Challenge today at TheAnswerPGH.com. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Still some heavy delays on the parkway east outbound. Backing up between Boulevard of the Allies and Edgewood Swiss Vale. On the inbound side, stacking up 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Delays have gotten heavier on the parkway west as well. Inbound trip, Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Delay growing close to a 10-minute backup. Outbound on 51. That's a delay from Maytide Street up to Glen Elm Drive. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. For tonight, we'll see variable cloudiness. Expect a nighttime low of 47. It'll be breezy tomorrow with rain and occasional drizzle in the morning. Otherwise, mostly cloudy skies. Expect a high of 61. For Friday, we'll see times of clouds and sunshine. A nice afternoon for outdoor activities. Friday will reach a high of 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, with the latest mass shootings, including one here in uh, Pittsburgh over the weekend, we're hearing them uh, they're hearing the calls for gun control from the usual suspects, and it's nothing new. The Second Amendment is always under attack from people like Joe Biden and the people who surround him. 
That's why it's good to have people like Amy Schwer of the Heritage Foundation around to keep reminding them how wrong they are. Amy joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Amy. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So uh, March was Women's History Month. Why did uh, you and the Heritage Foundation decide to remind people of the uh, the history of armed women in America? Well, look, you know, these sorts of articles that we've been doing on preventive gun use, uh, you know, these have been something we've been doing for several years now, every month. Um, but with, you know, looking back on Women's History Month, one of the things year after year um, that has always just you know, irks me a little bit. And I think irks a lot of women who appreciate their Second Amendment rights is, you know, we, we never look at the armed women of history. We never look at the importance of the Second Amendment to women, um, in, in, both in the past and, and in the present. And so what we wanted to do with this last month's op-ed looking at defensive gun use is to say, look, all of the time, every single month, we are finding um, all sorts of instances of, of defensive gun uses by women and on behalf of women to protect the life, liberty, and property of women. Um, And we just thought it was important that this is sort of an overlooked aspect of women's history and women's present and future, to to, to be quite honest. And so this is what we wanted to do, sort of highlight uh, these instances. And again, just the tip of the iceberg of the importance that is the Second Amendment to women in the United States. Kind of interesting. I didn't think about this until I read your piece. Not that it wasn't out there and pretty obvious, but I just never thought about it. It's kind of interesting to think that women had the right to bear arms before they had the right to vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were exercising it, uh, you know, far more often than I I think a lot of people realize. Um, You know, it's not just they sort of had it in the abstract. They utilized it in practice. You know, whether we're talking about people like Harriet Tubman uh, or – Stagecoach Mary, Mary Fields, uh, both of whom we, we mentioned in this article, or whether we're talking about the unnamed pioneer women who, you know, for them being able to, to hunt and to defend their families was a matter of life or death, um, you know, to, to uh, you know, what we see today with all sorts of, of women who are taking up their right to keep and bear arms. Um, you know, this has always been important. It has always been utilized in this capacity. And it's always, frankly, been a little bit overlooked. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that, um, that people don't really think about it that much, but, uh, that, that, that the founders, they didn't allow women to vote and that was purposeful. They, they knew what they were doing there, but they could have easily put in there that, um, men had the right to bear arms. They didn't do that. Absolutely. And they, you know, they knew how to limit things men, but mm-hmm. it is the right of the people. Right. The right belongs to the people, uh, and that, that very obviously includes the women. Yeah, right. You listed 10 examples of defensive gun use uh, by, or as you mentioned, for in defense of women uh, last March. And we may not have time to get to all of them, but can, can you just start with some of your favorites that you, uh, you picked from, a, I'm assuming, a, a pretty large number of examples? Oh, yeah. So, so, again, this is just the tip of the iceberg of all defensive gun uses that we find every month, which, you know, itself is just a fraction of the ones we know probably occur. Um, you know, keep in mind, this is one month, and, and this is the, the, the sorts of stories we get month after month after month. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we can start with the first one, which you know, right at the beginning of the month, March 1st in Atlanta, you had a, a woman who uh, had five teens, at least two of whom were uh, armed, tried to carjack her as she's just sitting in her vehicle minding her own business. Um, she's able to draw her own gun and exchange fire with them. Uh, all of the carjackers flee. Uh, she unfortunately was injured in this exchange, um, but her car was not stolen, and um, you know, she, she did survive and was able to fight off four, uh, five, five armed carjackers. Um, and the twist to that story is those teen carjackers are later arrested um, just a couple hours later in the night because they carjacked a second car and then led police uh, on a chase and ended up crashing that car. Um, you know, so we see both the protection of, of life ultimately and property with, with that one. Um, you know, just you know, nine other stories just like this. Yeah. Um, Longview, Texas, a woman armed with a rifle. You know that one? Remember that one? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, like you said, Longview, Texas, March, March 4th, I believe. A uh, woman armed with a rifle. Um, a man uh, 
forces his way inside of their home. Um, so what neighbors had told police is that this individual had a history of criminally trespassing in area homes. He was, he was rather well known um, in the neighborhood for trying to get into places he shouldn't be. Um, so he comes up onto this woman's porch. Um, she you know, says, please get off my property. He refuses uh, and then smashes in her sliding glass door with his fist. Um, and, you know, fortunately she had that rifle and was able to defend herself and her property, um, where's the man, uh, and he's later arrested. And actually the, the county sheriff in this example, he tells reporters, uh, he praises the woman's actions and, and says, this is an excellent example of the importance of our second amendment in action. And I tend to agree with him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I may have told you this story before when I had you on before, but this reminds me what, that the, that the county sheriff made a point to tell reporters that it was an excellent example of the importance of the Second Amendment. I was doing sports at a local TV station. I did that for a long time here. And there was a there was the shady side rapist was um, uh, in the news a lot. And there were rapes. Women were, were being attacked by this guy. Uh, and they were trying to catch him. And so it became such a big deal that uh, one of the female reporters was sent out to do a story talking to some self-defense experts, talking to people about what women should do to protect themselves and, and to prevent this guy from, you know, f- prevent themselves from being one of his victims. And this woman did a nice, you know, two-minute report, and she had things in there about going to self-defense classes, don't take the same rate, uh, route home every time, and all kinds of different issues you know, and, and interesting um, uh, pieces of advice, but there was no mention of a gun. And so... I went up to the woman afterwards, being the kind of guy that I am. I should have kept my mouth shut, but it just struck me. I said, hey, I just got a question. What, what about getting a gun and shooting the guy who's trying to rape you? She, the look on her face was just total shock that, that, she would, that I would think that a woman should, should have a gun to protect herself. And I think it's because—I'm sorry going, I'm going on so long on this, but I, I think it's because— um, she she was of the belief that women can't handle a gun as well as a no. man and that they're more likely to get hurt by having a gun than not having one. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, that's a, it's a common misconception. And, you know, again, one of the reasons we like highlighting these stories is is to help women feel empowered, to say, yes, you absolutely can handle a firearm. You have a right to defend yourself. And with a firearm, you, in practice, have the ability um, you know, especially in cases, where I, I can't tell you how many cases we come across, and including some of the ones we highlight in here, of specifically domestic violence yeah. uh, cases where, where women defend themselves or where women come to the defense of other women. Um, so one of the examples is, uh, I think, one of my all-time favorites. Um, on March 22nd out of Orlando, Florida, you, you had a, um, a female Uber driver who shows up at this customer's pickup location and, and sees him just physically assaulting uh, the woman that he's with. Um, you know, instead of driving away, the driver actually decides, look, I'm going to give them a ride despite seeing this man being violent because I don't want to leave this woman alone with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get into the car. The guy passes out drunk in the back, um, and she starts talking with the girlfriend. Well, the guy wakes up and assaults both of them, assaults the driver, assaults the girlfriend. He's just not happy. He's, he's just yeah. in, a, he's in a mood. Um, and so the driver stops the car, says, get out of my car. Um, the guy doesn't like that. He gets up, he shoves the woman to the ground and then starts going after the driver. And the driver was able uh, with her own firearm to defend herself and this woman who is being victimized um, by this abuser um, and, and is able to take them out of that threatening situation and, and protect both of them. Um, and it's just shocking how many times we come across these stories because you often hear the opposite, right? You hear about the times when, you know, women are, are victimized by guns, um, but very rarely do, do people highlight these stories where women, uh, you know, be, become their own defense uh, against uh, those who would victimize them. And I, I just love being able um, to get these stories out there and help women feel empowered to know that they, you know, they have options. They have the ability to defend themselves. Are women better shooters than men? Uh, well, I'd, I'd certainly like to think so, but, you know, I, I mean, More they, accurate, at the very uh, least, yeah. you know, at, at the very least, they have just as, as equal an ability. You, mm-hmm. you look going all the way back to, to whether it's Annie Oakley showing off her skills, uh-huh. um, you know, or, or whether you go to, you know, one of the stories that I love is actually Martha Maxwell, who was a, you know, in the early 19 or early 1800s, she's a famed American naturalist who would go out 
um, and, and shoot her own animals. She became a, a taxidermist, a fan taxidermist. And she would put up these exhibits, and she would get so tired of men answering the question of who shot these animals <laughs> that she went ahead and just put up a sign in front of the exhibit saying, this is women's work. <laughs> well, uh, there's no reason for, and, and you're, you're an expert on guns, there's no reason to believe that women should be any uh, less um, uh, talented, if that's the word, with a gun and, and, and less, less um, effective with a gun. No, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of it is just uh, a lot of women, uh, I think, disproportionately don't throw out the firearms. They don't see it as something um, that, that uh, you know, is inherently comfortable to them. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, just disproportionately, it takes a little bit of time for them to get used to the idea um, that they're, you know, it's a thing that they don't consider for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they practice with it, you know, there, there's nothing inherently uh, about women that says, oh, you know, they're, they're bad with firearms. Of course you can be good with firearms. You know, we are we are strong, independent, and intelligent. Of course we can pick up a firearm and use it and use it well. Um, you know, and, and you know, fortunately, in, in, in most cases where we're using firearms, it gives us an advantage over those who could, you know, physically overpower us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't do that when we have that firearm. And so it actually brings us physically uh, up to the ability to defend ourselves. And I think that's so important. And, and, you know, again, it's something I wish more women had the opportunity to get comfortable with. Yeah. It, uh, common sense tells you that if the word got out or if it just became well known that more and more women are carrying guns, men who prey on women would uh, might back off a little bit. Might feel a little bit less confident in in attacking women. I would certainly hope so. But, you know, in the event that they still feel confident attacking women, at least now they they would be stopped. You know, there's that capacity to stop them and and to to end that threat in a meaningful way. Uh, At the Daily Signal, and we're talking to Amy Schwerer of uh, the Heritage Foundation and the Daily Signal. Uh, At the Daily Signal, you focus on stories of uh, defensive gun use, as you said, every month. Uh, any idea what percentage of those that you find involve the defense of women, either by themselves or someone, a man with a gun defending them? Um, so this is a hard question because we haven't actually gone through and tallied this up. Um, and I think even then it, it'd be a little difficult just because we know that the stories uh, we find are just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. You know, we have no idea. It, we suspect. Um, I think most of the studies indicate that it's probably between 500,000 to 3 million defensive gun uses a year. We're getting just a fraction of that, you know, just the meaty ones that, you know, someone picked up for a news story that we could find. Um, But I I suspect, you know, at the very least, it is not an insignificant number of times. And you throw on top of that, you know, we we were just talking about, um, you know, women, less so than men are comfortable taking up a firearm. Um, you know, when you look at who's getting concealed carry permits, who are becoming the new gun owners, um, historically it has been men. It has been a thing that, that women have foregone. Um, you know, and so it, I don't think it's unusual uh, to, to say that it's, it's a, to a lesser extent women um, mm-hmm. who are, are defending themselves. But it's still important, and I think that that will continue to grow as more women, as we're seeing in recent years, become comfortable taking up arms to defend themselves, uh, buying firearms, getting their concealed carry permits, carrying routinely in public. Um, and I, I think we will continue to see that grow, but at the very least, you know, it, it is enough that we are finding these sorts of stories again every week, every month, all the time, um, you know, and, and we're leaving some out to do these top ads. Yeah, uh, gun sales have gone up quite a bit in the last couple of years. Uh, how, how much have women had to do with that? A significant, a significant amount. Um, so especially, you know, beginning around um, mid-2020 when we, we started seeing those spikes in crime. Um, but even before that, women have, and have, have increasingly um, been a growing percentage of, of those who are getting their concealed carry permits and buying guns. Um, and specifically, I, I think the, the greatest growth, the greatest percentage in growth that we've seen has actually been from black women, um, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it is very important, um, you know, that, that the gun community and the Second Amendment community starts embracing and bringing in um, people who have often felt excluded from that community. Because as we talked about at the beginning, it is the right of the people. There's no asterisk attached to that. There's no footnotes. There's no fine print. It is the right of the people, including us. Any advice for women looking to buy their first gun? 
Uh, do your research and get some training. Know how to handle that firearm. Um, you know, ha- have a plan for what you're going to do mental health-wise. Know how you're going to store it. You know, put some work into it on the front end um, and get that training done. Be a responsible gun owner. Invest in responsible gun ownership so that if, God forbid, the time comes where you have to use it in self-defense, um, it's not just that you're willing to do it, but that you are capable of doing it in a responsible way as well. Well, if you were asked to endorse a, a, a specific gun, uh, would you do that? Is there, I'm talking about a handgun for women, that some, something that they can carry with them, uh, something that you think would be most effective. Well, look, I, I won't endorse a specific gun. And generally what I, I would say is this, the, the best gun is the one that's on you as opposed to the, the one that's not on you. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, you know, a, a lot of times um, for, for every shooter, it, it's about how the gun feels in your hand. It's about the confidence that you have in handling it. Um, you know, so go take your time, do your research, ask questions uh, to, to, to people at gun stores, to, to um, you know, people who are firearms trainers, um, you know, and don't take the decision lightly, but at the end of the day, the, the gun that you have on your person that you are capable and willing and confident in using, um, that's going to be the best gun for you, and that's going to change depending on who you are and your circumstances and your comfort level. Amy, uh, as usual, you're doing great work out there. It's always good to have you on uh, the show. You, uh, I'm sure you're helping a lot of people out with your advice and your information. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. That's Amy Schwerer of the Heritage Foundation and the Daily Signal, and we'll be right back. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. This product is life-changing, and I tell everyone what a blessing down to nature fruits and vegetables is it's amazing absolutely phenomenal i'm telling you right now this is an amazing thing 30 days after taking this everything is, is perfect i could not be more happy what a blessing so good job down to nature good job get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code Balance. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accounts and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-3156 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all of the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-3156, and together we can help achieve this goal while putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-3156. Let me ask you, what does your perfect wedding day look like? I'll bet you've imagined it over and over again. The crisp spring air, the fresh grass giving way beneath you as you walk towards your future, surrounded by the people you love the most. So what's in the way of you believing it's possible for you to have it? Are you believing the lie that you are meant to be alone? Or maybe you don't know what a Christian romance should look like or where to find it. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman, and I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge, where you will discover your heart's desire of a loving marriage. In this challenge, I'll teach you why now's your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months 5-Day Challenge at lovestories.com and you can start your journey to find that lasting, loving relationship now. Join me at lovestories.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. 
We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Oh, yesterday we had a guest on who uh, has written a book about uh, masks and how useless they were for the last couple of years, and he had plenty of data to back up his contention that it was a big waste of time and did more harm than good to have people all over the world um, wearing masks. But So it's inevitable that the liberals would uh, react differently. Uh, my favorite today so far was Valerie uh, Jarrett, the uh, former uh, Obama um, official. Uh, she uh, immediately went to Twitter and took a picture of herself wearing a mask, and she said, I will continue to wear a mask until the science, the people who know the science, tell me not to. Of course, you know, nobody, I guess nobody mentioned to her how, how much they were wrong. Uh, and then there's, there's this from uh, Robin Given. He's, she's the senior critic at large at the Washington Post. She's talking about the celebrations on the airplanes and everybody being excited and, and, uh, and glad that the, uh, that the CDC's um, edict was overturned by a judge uh, and the president's edict, I guess, overturned by a judge. And she says, she writes, but for the moment there are squeals of unbridled delight, which aren't so much a reflection of just how onerous the, onerous the mask mandate has been, but rather just how childish and selfish so much of the country has been in dealing with it. That's what you're dealing with in the media. This person, she probably has a mask on as we speak right now, maybe at home, sitting in front of her at her dining room table, moving her mask as she takes each bite out of a sandwich. That's who we're dealing with in the media, and they're just going to keep wearing the mask. And you know what I say? Keep wearing them. Have a nice time. But here's, a, here's all I'm asking, and I think millions and millions of people are asking the same thing. Leave me alone. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.